0: Welcome everyone to another uh, show on the podcast. I'm really excited uh, for the discussion today with my guest. So let's just jump straight into it. You know, my guest today is someone who has been in the uh, sales and training game for about 35 years. Uh, He's the CEO of Project Moneyball. Now for any of those who Mm -hmm. have probably watched the the movie Moneyball, uh, you probably get a sense of, of what it is that he's trying to do here. Um, So basically, he helps marketing, sales and enablement leaders identify their go-to-market readiness and performance problems based on what really happens during sales rep calls with buyers. So what this really means is he helps you know where to place your bets to deliver consistent incremental improvements in the sales (laughs) process so that you win more deals. Now, that's got to be music to any commercial leaders ears, it certainly is to mine. So please help me welcome Avner Barouche. Avner, thank you and welcome to the show.
1: I'm very happy to be here, and uh, Thank you for inviting me over. Um, I'm really excited to be here. You know, I've been following you and uh, we've been chatting and uh, discussing this uh, for quite a long time. So that's a great opportunity to, for me to be here and to be speaking about, you know, my perspective about training sales and. Uh, working alongside leaders and coming up with project moneyball so very happy to be here
0: yeah and, and really looking forward to a spirited discussion uh around sales enablement and training and and yeah we, we first connected actually it was during the i think it was the inquisitor podcast where i talked yeah. about trust and the research around trust and and why it's lacking so badly in the sales process but actually it's the key to every decision being made by a buyer uh, and the fact that that's being missed out is, is a huge thing because Quite frankly that's that's the main prism by which buyers view who they should do business with let's dive in here abner into um a question that i always ask which is you know you've been in the sales enablement game for a very long time how would you describe the current state of the sales profession?
1: So there are many ideas or many, many answers I could uh, I could provide. But I think, that, you know, the bottom line is it's becoming more and more digital. And everyone would agree to the fact that, you know, it's like it's everywhere. First of all, you know, technology has changed so fast. So many technologies, so many new companies offering, uh, you know, it might look the same or, or not. But altogether, you know, because of technology, the, the market, the space is changing so fast. From a sales point of view, we found ourselves in a a more, you know, of a digital workplace and we need to deal with with more digital applications. You know, there's a more overhead to our work. And uh, what I see also is that leaders, you know, tend to be more digital, more data driven. Of course, you know, there there are those uh, leaders that rely on skills, mainly on skills and, you know, they hire people basically based on previous experience, etc but i see also a new trend where new leaders young leaders they they come with a more data driven approach so they they have a very clear idea of what the sales stack should look like in order to uh, not waste time on decisions or you know become more proactive and get a better understanding and visibility into whatever happens uh, per stage of the sales cycle in 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 a you know in, in a short way, I could say that you know the space, the cell space is becoming more digital, as I said before, but leaders really understand the benefits of using data. and they um they they seek you know whatever they can find in order to enable their reps, manage the team at any given moment, and they really understand what is going on across the cell cell cycle. You know the traditional way is like you know to wait for the end of quarter or end of year for those reports in order to understand what works, what doesn't work. And I think that most leaders today just, you know, can't afford that. So if I could point my finger at one, you know, the biggest trend in sales leaders, you know, they, they really understand, as I said before, the benefits of uh, a proactive and digital approach, as I said, you know, becoming more data driven. Do you
0: think that sales leaders and especially salespeople know how to use that data, though, because there's obviously a spectrum in in competency. But I keep hearing the fact that sales leaders still struggle to and it's it's not a, it's not just they still use the data and almost morph it into their own world and their own experience rather than actually it's open their eyes to a completely new way of using that data to inform their activities. So are you seeing that or are you seeing actually that there's a lot more leaders who are able to use data in the right way?
1: I can't actually say, you know, exact numbers or percentage, like you know, 50% go with the traditional way, relying on whiteboards, and and the other, you know, remaining part of the of the of the sales reps are going with more digital approach. I can't actually say you know where is the the break even point but i can definitely tell you that i've i've worked with leaders that had like many options to choose from you know they they were using clary and salesforce and 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 so many applications like tens of applications but in their office behind their back there was like stretching and writing numbers on their whiteboard in order to get a better understanding so despite the fact that they have you know whatever they need in order to become more data driven they were they relied on those whiteboards because there there was just simply too many applications to deal with and sometimes you know there are false positives and the the reports are not very accurate or tend to like come late so leaders can actually afford you know the time it takes to to reach a conclusion so they they have their own way of understanding whatever goes on per stage per opportunity whatever but again you know there are leaders that are, they're more technical they're more data driven and they're not not afraid of technology or maybe they know how to use the right tools they they Strongly believe and and use those digital applications, and uh, I can say that you know it works better, in my opinion. If you use the right stack, the right sales stack, it will help you to um to get a better visibility and reach faster decisions.
0: That it sounds like you kind of maybe partially answered my one of the questions that I had in <laughs> mind, which was, you know, in your posts I've seen you talk about how reps continue to struggle to find or, or use the right assets within with the right prospects at the right time. Can you talk a bit more about that? Because that was very intriguing.
1: That's a beautiful question. You know, I'd love to answer that. You know what I'm going I think that, you know, my answer would probably touch a few areas, not just this question, but probably I'll answer, you know, multiple questions at the same time even the one before. So uh, I can't blame leaders or reps for the fact that, you know, they're not leveraging the uh, the digital applications or the digital workplace that are, that is given to them. It's not their main follow, or main responsibility. The, the, the responsibility doesn't fall on the reps or the leaders. What we want basically is to grow the business, to scale the business, to scale it up, to scale it out, to reach other markets and to hire more people. We are measured by the number of, you know, by the growth of the company. So, you know, sometimes we focus mainly on growing the team, but I've seen it so many times. You grow the team, you hire more and more salespeople, you you increase your sales torque, as I like to say, to define it. But in most cases, you don't have enough capacity, bandwidth, or enablement, capacity, enablement resources to help you to, one, onboard the new hires, second, provide the ongoing Resources you need in order to make sure that everyone maintains their skills or catch up with whatever it takes in order to reach out to new markets, whatever. So in most cases, I've seen like you know many many businesses just focus on hiring, growing the team, and not spending or investing the uh, the uh, the right amount of resources to to um, to be able to train the additional you know uh, task force, etc. So. The bottom line is the problem of, you know, not leveraging whatever you have applications or whatever, or going back to your questions, reps struggle to find the resources that they need in order to improve their go-to-market readiness. So if I put myself in a rep's shoes, you know, there, there are so many applications I need to deal with, so many areas I need to type in to register data. I need to update, report, whatever, do my housekeeping stuff. And it's just, you know, it, it creates an overhead and that creates a digital fatigue and it comes at the expense of probably not managing my opportunities, my accounts properly, because I do need to, like, you know, allocate some time to manage all those different, different digital tasks that I'm that I'm instructed to do. I can't blame reps for not, you know, doing their stuff, you know, doing their housekeeping stuff, managing the opportunities, or updating the stage whatsoever. It's not their fault entirely. From a leadership point of view, we need to consider every app, every component that reps need to deal with in order to move from, you know, from lead to uh, to closed one and whatever happens later. Just to prove my fact, to, to, to back up my answer, software leaders and technology technology leaders actually really understand, you know, this challenge. And in order to uh, ease the pain and help sales reps to, uh, to accomplish this task, which is to find the right resource in order to address the right need, read the right prospect at the right time. It's a struggle. It's a real pain that slows down many businesses. Fortunately, you know, there are many, many options to choose from today, which basically address that specific need. Long story short, the idea is to, to use a technology, AI-based uh, technology that understands what reps need per vertical, per, per go-to-market criteria, whatever it is, and basically offer the specific collateral, specific go-to-market, specific playbook at the time of need because the the pain exists because reps struggle to find the right resources resource in order to avoid a one-size-fits-all approach which is basically to, to to be able to speak the right message with the right prospect there are so many technologies today so many platforms that allow reps to find what they need in order to stay relevant and move faster and more effectively across the cell stages.
0: Interesting, because you've covered quite a quite a few areas. To me, it seems obvious, because it's something I'm doing with some of my own clients, right? Where they want to scale, but the first thing I say to them is, look, you can't hire people into a broken system, right? It's just exactly. not going to work. In fact, your efforts as a leader should be, am I creating the right ecosystem for the new people that I've hired to thrive, right? And if that's not the case, then I need to fix that system before bringing people in. To me, that seems very obvious, but... Like you, I've observed that in other companies. And and you've also talked about, quite frankly, how do we inform the salesperson about the activities that either they're conducting or their team are conducting, and how can that information help them actually conduct their sales conversations in a far better way? Can you give, because that sounds like incredible, Nirvana,
1: can you give some examples Mm -hmm. of how that would look like? I think that many, many businesses today realize that going with the reactive approach, which is we'll wait, okay? We'll wait for leaders or reps or anyone who is in pain or is in need. Someone needs collateral, someone needs playbook, someone needs like the latest version of whatever it is. We'll just wait. Okay, we just posted everything on, our, on the marketing portal or LMS or whatever technology you're using in order to provide access to collateral. But all you know, from a leadership point of view or manager's point of view, we wait, we wait for someone to raise a hand, submit a ticket or say, hey guys, this is the wrong version. So if no one actually complains, okay, that's okay. That means things are working well. That's the reactive approach. It doesn't work anymore. And more and more businesses understand that we can't wait. We can't rely on, on the reps ability motivation, willingness, or availability to basically share, you know, there is a problem. I can't use this. This is the wrong version, whatever. We can't wait. Leaders cannot afford to lose time because of broken processes, as you said. So more and more businesses transition the uh, the sales tech or the, the selling processes or the workflows from reactive to proactive approach. If there is a way to simplify what I'm trying to say is they're trying to educate the technology to work for the reps instead of the other way around. The bottom line is digital adoption. It exists already. Okay, there are so many applications and platforms you can use in order to proactively provide access or, you know, even better, proactively understand where the problem is, where the broken flow is. So you don't have to wait for the sales rep to basically say, hey, this is the wrong data or this is the wrong playbook, or, you know, for some reason, I can't actually complete the process of creating an opportunity. It breaks up every time it breaks down every time. No, I click, you know, the, the approve, the acknowledge button, it just doesn't work. And, you know, think about this, you know, how much time does it take to create an opportunity in a very complex environment? If it takes like 15 steps or 15 approvals, whatever, it's a waste of time, which we can basically leverage doing something else. Technologies today allow the business, the sales ecosystem to first identify gaps, areas of friction or broken workflows automatically and offer the the sales reps, you know, the help they need in order to type in the right information. And if they get it wrong, they actually correct the reps. So the bottom line is we go with a proactive approach where first we scan whatever reps are doing and then we offer them the help they need. And then we offer them the information they need in order to you know provide that to the prospect so for you i'll give you a very simple example okay and i've seen it everywhere you meet with a prospect you are on a call with a prospect and then the prospect asks you like oh do you comply with x regulation whatever and for some reason you don't know the sales reps don't know so what they do they just ask like you know do you mind holding the line or hold the line for a few minutes i'll consult with my peer whatever or I'll just you know type in a question in the uh, you know internal chat window and wait whatever or, you know, let's let's actually address that in the next uh, next meeting and let's focus on something else. It's, it's basically just, you know, put sticks in the wheels. It's, it doesn't work. You slow down the whole process. The alternative way is when you have this discussion with a prospect and then the prospect mentions a name of a competition or a technology, automatically the rep sees, you know, whatever they need to use on the fly, on the screen. So they don't have to struggle type in the, uh, you know, whatever the prospect says. The system recognizes automatically that there is a risk of losing the prospect's trust or uh, posing the, the, the selling process because the rep doesn't have the capabilities or the knowledge to address that specific challenge. So the bottom line is technologies today offer the reps, the information they need at the right time with the right prospect, given the right criteria. So it's like flying an F-35 compared to uh, a Phantom F-4 you know going manual or going completely you know proactive and automatic
0: can you talk about some of those technologies and you don't have to name vendors if you don't wish but it sounds to me as if you know I just want to try to understand that technology ecosystem because you almost hinted at at some point you need a technology that's almost a listening tool that's hearing some of those conversations You you need the right CRM that not only captures that information, but does so efficiently with less time from the sales rep, for example. You need some sort of data analytics, either a team or a technology, some form of competency that will consistently and continuously analyze that information to draw out insights. And I think you're almost hinting, and maybe I'm translating it that way. If you have a coaching structure, you're gonna have to have a coaching culture, an effective one in your company. Because then the sales leader is going to use that information, but they might even use technology to be able to conduct those coaching conversations in a better way. So can you just describe, you don't have to name vendors, but can you just describe that what that technology ecosystem would look like? and What is important that companies need to have in order to be able to do the things that you described?
1: Let's put ourselves in, you know, in a sales rep shoes and let's just pretend that you know we just got hired and this is like day one. And usually what happens is the leader lacks the resources, the time, the bandwidth to spend time with new hires. What they do is just, you know, ask the uh, the new hires to spend time going over some, you know, gon calls or uh, resources on YouTube, whatever, or articles that, you know, other reps have, that have been around long enough, you know, they put together those pages on support pages, whatever. It doesn't work. That's a that, that's like the most inefficient way of onboarding new hires. And I'm not saying that those applications are wrong. You know, on the contrary, you know, I'm a big fan of those uh, technologies. But I'm just saying there's a better way of leveraging those technologies. And I'll start with the uh, you know the most amazing technology that I can think of. Imagine that you know, as a new hire, you need to practice your pitch. Okay, so you you're given those slides and you memorize those uh, top tracks, etc. And in most cases, the traditional way is you, you practice with a friend or with another rep or with your manager, if he can afford the time. Again, that's the most inefficient way. You don't want to burn the, uh, the manager's time, you know, with those uh, trials. It's, it's a waste of time and it doesn't help you because I mean, in order to gain confidence, you really need to practice as much as you can with someone you can actually trust or from, from time perspective point of view, the, the best way would be like to practice with a virtual coach. There is a system, there is an application, there is a technology called Second Nature. So what it does, it helps leaders to prepare scenarios, scripts, behind the scenes. As as a new hire, you basically practice delivering your pitch and even, you know, handling objections and pushbacks that the virtual prospect decided to put you against. So as as a new hire, instead of practicing with with a real, you know, uh, I don't know, with a manager or with someone else, and just waste their time. I'm practicing with a virtual avatar or virtual prospect, and that specific pro, that, that the technology knows to tackle to to come up with the right objections and pushbacks or questions. You know, based on on the flow, based on the conversation flow. So as as a rep, I can practice as many times as I as I want, and and I can I can measure my progress. And once I'm satisfied with the way I'm pitching the the sales deck, whatever. Then I can take it and practice with my manager. When I do spend time with my manager, basically I'm more prepared. So it's a, I'm saving time for myself and for the for the manager. And basically, you know, it's it, it helps both sides. It saves a great deal of time and money for the business. So that's from one onboarding point of view. From the ongoing point of view, and again, those uh, common tasks that reps need to deal with creating an opportunity, a price book, a price quotation, whatever depending on the technology that you're using Salesforce or whatever CRM it is. Okay. Some people don't have the experience, the previous experience. So they, there is a learning curve. And usually when there is a problem, when there is a gap, when they, when they struggle to complete a step, they rely on someone else's availability. And we're in the selling business. Okay. We need to sell every minute you spend on training someone else. It's a minute you're not spending with your prospect. So either way, it's a lose, lose, lose situation. So those technologies I mentioned before, like WalkMe, for example, which I know very well. So what WalkMe does or any other digital adoption does is it scans every step on the page you are on. So if you are on the uh, opportunity page or price quotation or whatever step it is, it knows every step and it identifies whatever you are typing in. And if there is a, any mismatch between what you're expected to type in and what you're you actually typing, it will alert the user. So it validates the information. In addition, it can proactively automate any process. So for example, again, creating an opportunity might take you a minute, might take you five minutes, but if you multiply that by the number of reps, it's a waste of time. And that's that costing you a lot of money. Adoption, digital adoption, what they can do for the sales business, sales ecosystem, they can automate redundant steps. They can replace you know, those tedious jobs that reps hate. to to lose time for, and going from five minutes per stack to five seconds, the system, the the adoption tool basically does everything for you. All you have to do is just acknowledge the information you're seeing on the screen. So it gives back, you know, the sales reps and the the, uh, the ecosystem, lots of time back, and that converts to money. So validation, data validation, automation, and from analysis point of view, we talked about analytics. So traditionally, businesses rely on sales ops or biz ops or the BI team. Not every business has a BI, by the way, and you probably know that. So either way, from a leader point of view, you rely on reports. Those reports basically come at the end of the quarter or end of year. And sometimes, you know, you're given some dashboards which show you basically what goes on, uh, you know, uh, during the, um, the sales cycle, whatever. But it doesn't tell you you know, why reps are struggling with a certain step or whatever. Those tools that I've mentioned before, they have their own layer of analytics. So they can actually give you a, you know, a deeper visibility into whatever process reps are dealing with. And they can provide you the reasons when reps are struggling so if you have like you know a workflow of five steps or whatever it is they give you a more a better visibility more granular visibility into whatever goes on from onboarding point of view from enabling point of view from uh, completing a task point of view now those are not, if if you basically cross reference if you slice and dice the analytics that you gain from those tools and your CRM reports that gives you you know a better granularity or better, better visibility into you know whatever goes on under the the sales umbrella but the bottom line is leaders basically don't have the time to do that bi don't have the time to do that sales operations don't have the time to do that just the every every one of those functions have too much to deal with to answer your questions the opportunity the technology exists the problem is how do we orchestrate everything together we need a dedicated position someone who understands sales ops sales bi who is able to Put together all those processes, extract all the data from all those different applications, and basically provide a picture, one idea of whatever goes on. Orchestrate the entire processes. I hope this wasn't wasn't too long, but you know, to make a long story short again, the digital, the you know, the cell space is becoming more and more digital, and it's 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 harder for leaders to to reach the right conclusion at the right time, given all the applications that, that they need to use on a daily basis
0: that was really interesting to hear because i mean i hadn't heard i hadn't I heard it second nature but i hadn't heard of the other one that you mentioned and that that sounded really interesting and I, I suppose we didn't really we only just lightly touched on crm and and i don't think any conversation around technology or sales technology hmm. would be complete without at least talking about yeah. crm so you know, we know that CRM CRM health is still a problem with a lot of sales team. You know, and I guess I need to I wanted to ask you, you know, why do you feel that still is the case? You know, is that due to the CRM platforms out there not being fit for purpose, or is it the sales sales leaders or the business leaders that? Failing to use it or select the right ones in the right way, you know, why do you feel CRM is still a challenging situation for for a lot of sales teams out there?
1: I'll try to answer that very shortly uh, because again, I can spend hours talking about that. But I think that the the uh, the first reason is CRMs were designed for sales operations, for those admin analysts. You know, they put together those uh, you know buttons and features. That can help them later to extract data in order to generate reports and in order to basically help reps sales reps they are trying to come up with the best ui or user experience so reps won't struggle or you know spend too much time complete, completing the tasks that originally were implemented by technical people analysts sales operations business operations now just to prove my point salesforce understands that they realize that you know and then they decided to come up with a with a nicer look and feel and the, the latest version of salesforce which is more like you know an application which you can you know build your own uh, look and feel and you can create your own components and you can play around and you know just arrange or assemble your dashboard or the um you know the working area in a way that makes more sense to you but at the bottom line, it creates more overhead for sales operations, but that's a big, that's a different story. So the first reason is CRMs were designed for sales operations, managers, analysts, technical people. That's one reason why sales reps struggle to use that. The other reason is, again, it's not the only component that reps need to deal with. You know, there's Salesforce, there is a CPQ, there is, um, you know, there, there are other applications they need to deal with, like Clarify, whatever, and some, some businesses, you know, deploy the digital adoption that I mentioned before in order to simplify the, uh, the whole working, you know, the workflows, but depending on the way you implement the, uh, you know, the additional layer, it might create uh, a bottleneck or extra information you need to consume. So it doesn't really help you the other way around. It slows you down because now you need to read more instructions and you need to follow more steps. So one reason is CRMs were not designed for for sales reps. The second reason is additional layers of information and and applications you need to deal with. And of course, you know, there is the, uh, you know, the day-to-day work you need to, uh, to, to keep up with. So altogether, I think that, you know, that's the reason why salespeople sometimes, you know, ignore, decide to put last, you know, the housekeeping stuff, which is I'll update the stages or type in the information, etc. Because of those uh, gaps and those challenges and pains, you know, again, there is another technology that is evolving as we speak. Some of those technologies are trying to bridge that the gap of reps not doing their job, typing in data into the opportunity or into the, the CRM. So those technologies are based on AI and basically they extract the data from the call conversation from this transcript straight into specific fields in Salesforce. So reps basically don't have to do their housekeeping stuff. You know, it, it's done automatically. The other technology I mentioned already, digital adoption. So if you implement that properly and correctly, it saves a great deal of time and it reduces so many friction. And you can actually, you know, can transition a very complex environment, CRM, into something that is extremely user-friendly, going from like, you know, 10 steps into one step this is extremely you know uh different situation to be in. it again it makes uh you know, reps are you know they feel motivated to do their job because the only, the only thing they need to do is just click one button instead of like going through so many steps and and hurdles etc
0: i mean that sounds really really interesting i have to say and, and uh, i'm certainly gonna it's not science of fiction
1: these. sorry for jump it's not science fiction it's happening mm, no. as we
0: speak. yeah and and and, and i'm absolutely going to look at all these areas that you talked about and and it sounds super interesting one thing that came to mind though i've noticed that it sounds to me that if we think along the maturity line there what you described as the ideal ways sounds quite mature to me so i'm just wondering you've obviously been doing this for a very long time um you probably have a lot of data or at least some data across a different number of clients now without naming clients or anything mm. like that of course but what are some of the common mistakes that your analysis has found salespeople are you know conducting in their sales process what are some of the common mistakes there that you've seen
1: across the sales stages starting from sales development etc going all the way to you know the early stages of uh, you know POC or product demonstration, et cetera. I'll focus on those early stages to begin with. I see it very, like very often, lack of preparation. And whatever the reason is, you know, we have back-to-back meetings, which is a big mistake, okay? Because you can't actually, you know, allocate 100% of your time to to calls. Uh, So having back-to-backs might be, you know, uh, a warning sign to begin with so lack of preparation reps just jump on a call with prospect without spending time understanding you know what could be a potential pushback what could be the potential use case reps i mean prospect usually don't know what they don't what they, what they need okay so they don't need a product they need an advice and reps tend to forget forget that and just focus on their product and you know they rely on their skills bells and whistles or whatever the, whatever it is and they just jump on a call with a prospect without preparing, without spending time, without profiling. I really like to use the word profiling, building the intel around the prospect. What could be the potential pushback or, you know, challenges they might actually, areas that might challenge us with. Any information I can find on the prospect's website in order to embed in my pitch. They don't do that, okay? And it's really, you know, it's a waste of, 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 of opportunity to sound really very, very relevant. Problem number one would be lack of preparation the other area is the handoff between sales dev like uh, sdr videos and sales so again because of you know culture because of you know the work because of you know back to back meetings because we're trying to go very fast etc sometimes we just tend to book those meetings with sales without sharing the right information with a salesperson. And again, what happens is what I mentioned before, lack of preparation, which basically leads to a situation where sales reps basically sound the same. So as a prospect, you know, I'm meeting with you and they know the next moment I'll meet with someone else and they all practice the same idea, you know, features and benefits sales demo without actually understanding, you know, the reason I decided to reach out to that specific vendor, whatever. The other area I see most reps struggle with is understanding or discussing business goals so they have their list of questions they need to ask you know tell me why you decided to reach out to whatever can you share more information about you know what is it that they're trying to achieve or they just focus on like the surface of the problem they either afraid or don't have the the uh, the skills to to talk about the business goals what exactly are you trying to achieve okay what have you tried so far you know things like that the earlier you do that of course assuming you have the right person to discuss business goals with, Uh, The earlier, the better, because then you can actually visualize the gap where they are today, where they want to be, and bridging that gap with your solution. So I see that very often. The other area is a proactive approach, mainly around competition. Whatever the reason is, we meet with a prospect either from a sales development point of view, BDR, SDR, whatever, and then moving to the next stage, which is the introduction, the, the discovery. We ask discovery questions, et cetera, but we don't talk about you know, the, the big, big big elephant in the room. We don't talk about the competitive landscape. We don't talk about other solutions, technologies. You might have decided to evaluate prior to meeting with me, okay? And if you have, would you be able to share some conclusions, some insights, what did you like? What didn't you like? Let's talk about that. I don't see this happening very often. And what happens as a result, competitive is always there. There's always a competition. So it shows up in later stages. And in most cases, this is converted into discounting, not going with a proactive approach, talking about the big elephant in the room, lack of preparation, lack of handoff, proper handoff, because sharing information like, you know, pages of information doesn't help the next person in line. Okay, I I can't afford reading this, okay? I need a, a very specific, clear, you know, checkpoints, you know, need, why, 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 etc. These are the main areas I'm seeing very commonly.
0: That's really interesting. So just to summarize, <clears throat> so it was
1: lack of preparation,
0: the handover from the sales development person to the salesperson, understanding business outcomes or business objectives, and being able to have actually a business discussion with yep. someone rather than a features and advantages discussion. Uh, and then the final part is, you know, you know, proactively, talking about maybe competitors, as you say, but it may not be competitors, it could be exactly. well, what other options are you considering out there, right? Mm-hmm. What have you kind of looked at? And, and it's so interesting that you mentioned that, mention all of those actually, because lack of preparation, and, and, you know, I've interviewed and counting right now, it's an ongoing process, 419 now buyers. And that first one is like the most annoying to them right lack of preparation basically means lack of courtesy or respect for my yeah. time because you've basically you've just come on the come on board you have no idea what i do or you're not demonstrating the fact that you know what i do and what my business is about but you somehow expect that your solution could work for me i mean that exactly. is just disrespectful quite frankly and i think a part of that symptom is the vanity metric of number of calls as opposed to okay how many of those are truly converting into the next stage now, a lot of sales leaders out there will say, Well, we look at both. Yes, but the one that you equate to productivity is still the first one, which is number of calls. So actually that's that should be that should be a barometer of activity health, but it shouldn't be the measure of real health. Um exactly. and then the part about the competitors, that's really interesting because salespeople almost want to kind of be delusional and say, you know, if we don't talk about competitors, (laughs) then, you know, the buyer, it's not going to trigger anything for the buyers, or, or I'm scared of talking about my competitors, because it might trigger the buyer to go and then investigate further. Well, look, we live in a radically transparent world. Most buyers now actually, you know, don't engage with salespeople until after they've done a lot of homework, they're also being approached by these competitors. So it's, it's kind of delusional to think that they're not going to be they're not going to be aware of that competitive approach or at least a different way of doing something so i agree very very interesting i that you said you said those things maybe we look at the other side of the coin now so what are some of the good practices that you've seen
1: from a new hires point of view you know transitioning into a situation where they have gained enough experience and expertise on mileage with you know calling prospects, etc. Gaining confidence is extremely important. Confidence is a game changer. Uh, the way you sound on a call with a prospect, it, it's, it's, it can make a big difference. Whether the prospect is interested in spending time with you or, you know, just, you know, can't wait to move next to the next uh, vendor, whatever. I think that confidence is extremely important. It's not what we sell is how we sell. We all know that. And uh, gaining confidence and projecting the confidence on the call, whether it's discussing pricing without offering discounts, or too early, too much, whatever, or just focusing on your solution, or you know, where whether the prospect mentions a feature you don't have and you don't find yourself like cornered to talk about other features or finding excuses why you don't support that feature, having the confidence to say, what do you care about this feature? What are you gaining to accomplish? What are you hoping to accomplish with this feature? Maybe I can show you a better way, you know, more effective way to gain the uh, the expected outcome with whatever we have. So I think that confidence is extremely important that's a game changer that's reason number one for you know succeeding or for for uh differentiating between top reps and 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 i don't want to say bottom reps but the the core team the other reason or the other area and this is a bit a a bit complicated and i I, to be honest i don't feel comfortable discussing but i I believe in that so i'll mention that self-sufficient reps and uh what i mean by that is i've seen it before by the way and i've seen it in action Reps that you know take ownership of the first early stages, discovery, business discussion, even product demonstration, if they can do that on their own without burning expensive resources, sales engineers, pre sales, whatever you want to call that. And I've seen a situation where sales engineers are being called to an intro call, introduction call, just to like you know talk about like one specific feature or just you know play a clip. Okay, so self sufficient reps do better, why? Because again going back to what i said before confidence and trust if i meet with a with a seller if i meet with someone who can really understands my business without relying on someone else if i if i meet with someone who can talk about you know the technology talk about you know the whatever happens in the market he understands the market he understands the trends so he, he, he's sort of like you know i i see that person that seller as a trusted advisor because he knows so much about you know the architecture the technology the trends other solutions Uh, I'm not talking about the bits and bytes. I'm talking about, you know, realizing the value of every feature, understanding the strengths and weaknesses of other solutions, being able to show me some some nuggets or um, a few minutes of, you know, the the product, how it works. And it makes that, you know, I feel like, you know, he customized the demo specifically to my needs without relying on someone else's or he doesn't pose the call to call someone else to take over and show me something that, you know, I find it very hard to believe that re- you really need a technical person to do that. Self-sufficient reps do better. That's, that's a fact. And I'm talking about the transactional sales. The other area is uh, a structured game plan or flow, a selling flow. I've seen some cases where you have different segments and every segment has its own, like go to market or selling flow or structure about the early stages. What do we do first? Discovery, introduction, you know, POC or product administration, how long does each component has to take, whatever. And I've seen cases where, you know, a segment or a team does better because they follow the script. And I'm not talking about, you know, words or keywords or reading off the screen. I'm talking about, you know, we need to be able to qualify or disqualify very fast. So we're going to spend 15 minutes on discovery. If it makes sense, we'll go with a product demonstration. We're not going to expose our cards. We're not going to show you anything unless we really understand your use case. And the other way around, reps that just go with, you know, all you can show with me in 60 minutes, you know, it doesn't work. So structured plan, stick to the plan, focus on your plan, know exactly what you're going to do per criteria. You know, what is the criteria? What is the exit point? What do I need to do in order to qualify or disqualify? Okay, if you follow the plan, it works. And proactive, as I said before, going with a proactive approach. We don't wait for the prospect to mention pushbacks or objections or competitive uh, information, whatever. We go proactively and ask those questions. So those are the areas that work very well. I love
0: that answer. I love that answer, I have to say, because uh, it touches on things that are close to my heart, but but, but they're close to my heart because I know from the buyer's perspective those are hugely important. So you talked about confidence at the beginning. And in fact, trust is is where competence and confidence, sorry, sorry, character and competence meet, right? In character there, in my research, there are seven elements to having a trustworthy character, but from the competence perspective, there are nine. And one of those nine is fluency of speech oh, yeah. right we're, <laughs> we're wired to he, you know in a social world if we hear someone is umming and ahhing or or their body language is kind of moving looking away etc all the time that doesn't inspire us with confidence and it may be irrational but that's how we that's part of our heuristics that's how yeah. we actually determine whether this is someone we can trust as part of our tribe so really mm-hmm. interesting that you mentioned that you also mentioned about uh almost kind of like taking control and structure yeah Yeah. having a which is surprising to me that people don't seem to get that right this is you're you're entering into a business landscape there has to be a plan scenario planning right people don't scenario plan right um you know i I use the example where uh, to boil water it takes almost when you get to the 99 degrees to move from 99 to 100 it almost the same amount of energy as it took for you to get to 99, to get from 99 to 100, to break that barrier. And yet people don't plan the scenarios when it comes to the negotiation process, right? Or the latter yep. stages of the sales cycle. They don't plan, what is that person gonna ask me? What are the tough questions? What is my response going to be? So it's 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 incredibly interesting that you mentioned those things because, and, and the last one, which was self-sufficiency, the second one, which was self-sufficiency. Yep. I, I, and that surprises me, I have to say, because most of, sorry, it doesn't surprise me that it exists, it's a, uh, that, that it happens. It surprises me that it still happens because there's the situation where salespeople are getting very limited sales advice or sales training and they're still getting more product training. Yeah. So when I see that, and then I still see that they don't know enough about the product to, ha- and they need to have a sales engineer. would so my first question is, well, what are you doing in that product training then? Like, it sounds like a waste of time. Yeah. So, so the fact that you see that the best sales reps are more self-sufficient, again, that that equates to trust, right? Which you explained there. So really, really interesting. Gosh, I, I, you know, I have to say, I wish I had more time because there were some <laughs> questions that I really wanted to ask you around, you know, when, and maybe actually, do you know what? Why don't we ask this one? Because this is an important one. In one of your posts, I I saw that you, you mentioned that, you know, uh, companies can find answers to some incredibly valuable questions, questions like when and why does competition show up? Now, I'm sure you can talk about this for hours, but but in the few minutes that you have remaining, can you talk a bit about that? Because you've mentioned competitive, uh, proactively talking and raising competition or new or other decisions that buyers are making.
1: in most cases, and again, most cases, not every business does that. Some businesses really rely on on uh, leverage bi to full effect. but in most cases, what I'm seeing is leaders rely on traditional reports that say, hey, we are at risk. okay, there are four millions or forty millions or fifty millions at risk because of competition. That's a fact. We lose money we lose a big chunk of of our revenue because of competition and the 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 worst case is you know it's getting worse every time every quarter competition catches up with us with our technology So the the trend is not, doesn't look very promising on the contrary. So what basically what I do is, you know, in order to really find out, you know, there is a reason, there are reasons that, you know, led us to that situation. And I'm not talking about whatever happens outside of the company. Like there's nothing we can do about it. Okay. Maybe there is, but that's the way this competition catches up with you. But, you know, you need on, on your side. Okay. From, from, uh, from enablement, from, from a leadership point of view, you need to train your reps, how to tackle that, how to proactively manage that. Okay, because things are not going to change very, you know, very fast. Competition is going to stay there forever. Uh, It's good. It's good for the business. Long story short, in order to really help leaders to understand the reasons why we are seeing an increase of, you know, competition, I came up with the idea of finding out how competition shows up per stage of the sales cycle. And then the reasons why sales reps are not basically proactively managing managing this, asking questions in order to surface any possible competition whatsoever. Long story short, the outcome is, imagine seeing a graph or <clears throat> being able to understand uh, what is the impact or what is the uh, percentage of calls where competition shows up per stage. And if you can actually see that, you know, competition shows up only at later stages, proposal negotiation, then you know you have a problem. Why? Because you didn't do your job, okay? Because it didn't just show up for you know out of the blue. Whereas you know, top reps or you know, from ideal point of view, if you can actually see competition early, okay, in in the uh, in the in the journey from a sales development point of view, okay, asking questions like what options are you evaluating, what other tools are you using, etc., this can actually help the sales reps later on when they meet with a prospect to fine tune their game plan, going back to the structured game plan. So if I know that you, okay, Mr. Prospect, are considering going with another option or have used other technologies for the last six months and you decided to reach out to us, so probably over the last six months, okay, yeah, you didn't see any value out of those technologies. I can use that, okay? I can actually leverage that in my pitch or in my demo. I can focus on what doesn't work without with those alternative solutions and focus on my strength. So that's a very long story. I don't know if. Uh,
0: no, that <laughs> if was, that was yeah. great. Yeah, that was absolutely great. And you know what? I think we might have to invite you back on the show again because there's there's so much to cover here.
1: Uh, if I may jump in and just go back to your previous question, then you can decide whether to use that or not. Going back yeah. to what you asked me before, like, you know, what why reps struggle to do their job and, you know, etc. The reason reps, you know, going back to self-sufficiency or self-sufficient reps, etc. one of the reasons reps are not able to go with a self-sufficient approach, sometimes it's because of the product they need to demonstrate. And from a leadership point of view, this is sign number one. Okay, that if your sales reps are struggling to demonstrate your capabilities, your prospect, your buyer, your customers probably struggle with that as well. Okay, so you, you need to go with a self. you need to become a self-sufficient, uh, a self-service product first, in order to help your reps and help your customers. So long story short, again, if reps are not self-sufficient, if they struggle to demonstrate the, the product, that's your first warning sign
0: that is a really interesting perspective i i totally agree with that and and it's not we're not just to be clear we're not saying that you have to be an expert on the technicalities but there is a level of proficiency that is required in order for you to inspire confidence with the buyer the buyer knows you're not the expert that's why you have the technical people but you should be able to understand the applications of that software or service whatever it might be to the buyer and at least be able to answer confidently on exactly. a lot of the issues. Yeah, I, I totally, totally agree, and I, I love that perspective. So, uh, a what um, what books or or influencers or, or thought leaders do you think, do you think, our are- listeners or viewers should should really should really read or listen to? And the, these could be ones that you've read in the past, or it could be ones that you're currently reading right
1: now. Thanks for asking. I think it's important, uh, you know, being an Israeli based in Israel and working with uh, overseas companies, mainly in the US and, and other places. I think it's important for everyone to understand, you know, other people's culture. And uh, for that reason, I decided to read a book that basically explains or trains other people how to work with Israelis. And I really want to start with that. And that book, actually, you can see that on my shelf. It's called the Israeli culture, business culture. And it basically gives everyone an idea of what is an Israeli, you know, how, how what does it take to work with an Israeli? And it's certainly important, really recommend reading that. The other book is uh, making cell, uh, channel Cells work. Even though it says channels, I think it's like, you know, A to Z, the Bible, or I really enjoyed reading that like three times. <clears throat> it's all about you know the sandler methodology and what does it take in order to establish a channel or a program and but it can be applied to any 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 other sales uh, you know area so it covers everything you need to know if you're new to sales all the methodologies and best practices uh, to gain trust, as we discussed before, and of course to 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 establish a channel program efficiently. The other book is the channel Sales. Going back to your first question, you know what what is happening today in the sales space, etc. I think that everyone understands that it doesn't take one methodology, and and. To broaden your perspectives and ideas, and 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 I think that we need more tools in order to succeed. So I really recommend reading that, and of course, taking what works and ignoring uh, some areas that may not work for everyone. For the sake of time, I won't be you know I, I won't discuss you know every 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 bit and bite of the you know of the uh, the main takeaways. But I, I really recommend reading reading that and uh, applying that in your uh, early stages of the Yeah. César. Okay.
0: Yeah, and that was great. So we'll leave a link to each one of those three in the show notes. Um, One final question, uh, how can our viewers and listeners learn more about you and get in touch?
1: So there's a page, LinkedIn page, uh, Avner Baruch, and uh, there's a YouTube channel called uh, Moneyball, Project Moneyball, and my website, Project Moneyball, basically where I discuss everything that we discussed today.
0: Again, we'll leave a link in the show notes so that people can easily get in contact with you. Uh, Avner, this has been a great conversation, and, and I've certainly learned a lot. Uh, There's a few of these technologies that I'm going to have a look at uh, for sure. I'm sure that our listeners have as well. So thank you very much for coming on the show. And uh, yeah, I'll be watching what you do very closely.
1: (laughs) And thanks again for having me here. Really enjoyed uh, meeting with you again. And uh, this was an amazing conversation. Looking forward to to more sessions like this.
0: (laughs) Great, absolutely.